Golight presents Murder Most Irish. depression (laughs) yeah it's been a weird week I think we're all in the same mindset for the last while me you and Colin we're all just like oh like it's that kind of yeah no I just I feel like I'm just a passenger at the minute that's the only way I could describe it no no I get it you're kind of just you're just floating through whatever's happening and you have no I'm just like right I need to I need to get up and get dressed and yeah uh put on my makeup and uh, then all of the other shit I have to do I need to do but I don't yeah. want to do it and I really resent the fact that I have to do it Thanks. and then on top of that I'm not controlling anything else so I, I feel really out of control and for me you know me that's know. just that's like, like the worst thing that you could possibly be yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um, so I'm sorry and I know that like being sick is not helping and the blood pressure and stuff as well so I got really like the doctors were really positive yesterday in the hospital so that's really good yeah yeah. I'm delighted. I'm absolutely delighted that it's things are getting a little bit better with regards to that. Some good news is my mum got out of hospital today. Ah, well so done. She home, she got her final antibiotic. Uh, they gave her a little walker. So she's a little walker on wheels now because her legs aren't great. And uh, yeah, so she's out of hospital and she's very, very happy to be out of hospital. Where's she gone? Who's she's, gone she in? she's in Becky's right now. Um, so she has her, f- she's actually got her next chemo on the day of our live show. Oh, okay. So I think what they're going to do is Becky said she might pop in afterwards, but I said, don't even worry about it. Like, no. don't even worry about it. Um, so uh, I think. Mama, but imagine if she brought Mama Kay in and we brought her on stage and everybody was like, yeah. Hilarious. And her little walker. She's like a little, yeah. little walker. But um, yeah, she's doing good. She's okay. She's just... I'd actually fucking ball my eyes out, by the way. Me too. I did. would have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. I would stop my heart out on stage. But yeah, she's doing good. She's she's uh she's got more strength. She's eating like a horse, which I'm good. so happy with. She's eating everything around her. Like I rang her the other day and I was like, how are you? And she's like, Emma, I can't keep she was like they can't keep food around me they keep feeding me because <laughs> they were worried because she wasn't eating so they were just bringing her down sandwiches and crisps and like they were just feeding her because she lost quite a bit of weight um but yeah she's doing great so that's good news for today okay that is good news <laughs> well my depression obsession is succession yeah your depression obsession is succession i'm so glad that that's your depression obsession because i can speak to you about it yes. and you can like understand um no bore on the floor as to text back bore on the floor was not the wor- that was horrific that Bore was on the floor. yeah like the most uncomfortable I had been in a while watching television yeah no bore on the floor I was like I could feel the fucking tension and the fear yeah I was like these people are petrified of this man like I think okay so I think those games are actually a thing that rich people do they are and here's why I say that as well so I watched this show on Netflix the other night and it's called One Day mm-hmm um it's based on a novel I think there was a movie of it a couple of years ago but it's about this couple anyway I won't give anything away if anybody hasn't watched it but there's a one particular scene and it's spoiler alert uh where the main character is seeing a girl and her family are really wealthy 
Okay. And they play this game called Are You There, Moriarty? Right? So it's two people. They get blindfolded and they get on their knees and they each they have to hold each other's hand, so like the adjacent opposite hand, and they have to roll up like a newspaper. And then they shout, are you there, Moriarty? And the per- one of the people has to try and hit the other person with the rolled up newspaper, but they have to dodge it. But like beating each other with it. Yeah, and I, was I- like, you people have so much money. That it like Fight Club makes sense to me because it's like you have so much money that the only thing you can think of doing is inflicting pain for fun or demeaning somebody like making someone feel like a, just a piece of crap on the ground. Like that's your idea of fun. And I was like, these games are definitely these. They definitely play this weird shit. Like I know Emerald Fennel has done some fucked up weird shit. I'm telling you now, that entire movie, Saltburn, is fucking autobiographical. It's just, it's just her life. like It's just her her mom and her dad. That's all yeah. it is, and her sister. Right. Although I, I do like Coco, and she makes beautiful dresses. So I'm not going to say anything bad about Coco. Um, but like, um, yeah, just bore on the floor. I was like, I remember go- I Googled it afterwards, and I was like, is this a thing that people do? But then also, like, it's an American television show. But as I said to you, the writers are British. So yeah, you, you can you can sense the class classism in it and the like there's more classism in this show than there would usually be, I think, in regular American TV shows, because obviously in America, obviously classism exists in a way that it's like if you have money, rich people look down on poor people. But it's much more insidious in, in the United Kingdom. Like it's a much more insidious person. Like you can be from but fuck nowhere and become a millionaire in America and people will be like that person's a millionaire. I don't care where they're from. But in the United Kingdom, if you're a millionaire and you open your mouth and you sound like you're from the north of England, you're like fucking from Liverpool or somewhere. There's going to be that thing where it's like, oh, you have money, but you're old, you're new money and you're not wealthy. And do you know what I mean? And that exists in succession. Yeah, no, there's different levels of like wealth, essentially. Mm. And it's like this thing of like, even if you've got money in England, it doesn't mean you're in the circle. Yeah, nobody's nobody's wants you in the circle if you're from poverty. Yeah. Like you're seen as kind of a joke, like, oh, new money. Oh, so I did like that about Succession because I was like, oh, yeah, they're really touching on the class thing and the fact that him, like the dad, came from nothing. 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 And you can see that he still struggles with that idea that he's not good enough. So he just he's just a tyrant. Like but he's at, like he's such a terrible person. Like there is nothing redeemable about him. No, Emma, I, I'm only in, a horrible human being. Like I'm on like episode eight of season two. Yeah. Oh, man. And um, Kendall. Yeah. I feel for that guy so intensely, even though he's a terrible person. Yeah, I think Kendall's the only one that I really had any sort of sympathy Empathy. for. I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, OK, Kendall, Kendall just reminds me of Charlie Brown. Yeah, because he's, he's around so like Charlie Brown. Lost. He's lost. And his his dad is just like, yeah, no, he's just like a punching bag for his yeah. father. And he just lets himself be a punching bag because mm. he's so lost and he's so desperate. But like also the like layers of fucking fucked upness when I don't want to ruin anything because for anyone like I know succession has been out for fucking ever and I'm like six years behind everybody. But we'll, well, say, if, we'll say spoiler alerts for Succession from now. Go. Okay, but 
when he makes him go to the dead kid's house. Oh my god. Emma. Sarah. <laughs> it gets so much worse. Emma. <laughs> I was like. It's horrific. And then he goes home and tries to speak to his mother. Yeah. And his mother could not be bothered. She's like, I don't fucking want to do this. I don't care. Yeah. And then fucking leaves the next day early so she doesn't have to have this conversation with her son who is clearly fucking struggling. Like, struggling. honestly. Like, the worst thing about it is you kind of, when I first started watching it, I was like, maybe their mother is a kind, redeemable person. Nope. No, she could possibly be. Awful person. Like, just another. Like, she comes into it more and she's just a terrible human being. Like... She's a great actress at play. She was in... um. Ted Lasso and she plays yes. not a similar like she's just a bit kooky in Ted Lasso but she's yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. like removed from being a parent but well, she's, she's so good at playing like a very wealthy woman yeah, she she has a wealthy woman face she's yeah got that upper British upper class British face kind of going you know that long face thing that they have like she looks like she could be uh in Buckingham Palace yeah no she does she yeah. does um and Tom and Greg man Tom and Greg are the best I love Tom and Greg so much. I just think they are like because they're needed really badly in that show. Like their dynamic is needed because it can get really heavy sometimes. Yeah, no, honestly, they're like, even though everything that Tom does is terrible. Awful. Greg is like this sense of like, it like stupidity yeah. and naivety and is really young and naive. And so he has this like want to be a part of this family, but also doesn't see how terrible they are. Yeah. But then it's also like at certain points being like, I need help. Yeah. And in some weird way, some of them always try to help, but it's always yeah. for their own benefit. Of course, everything they do. And like he's he's a true. They're all Nepo babies, but uh, Greg is true Nepo baby. Like yes. true, 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 true Nepo baby. Like that boy hasn't got off. Fucking brain cell in it. No, so dumb. And I was always ex- wait. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm always waiting for him to like. You know, he's one of those characters in a show or a movie where they're just so dumb and stupid, and then in the end, you're like, oh my god, actually, they were really smart. No, no, he's a fucking idiot. Um, day, which I kind of like. They didn't change that. They kept him dumb, which I kind of appreciate. No, and yeah, no. On honestly, I'm really enjoying it. It's so good. I'm uh, the episode where. Uh, fucking Kendall raps oh Elsa the OG <laughs> oh my god Sarah, everything about it but you know that reminds me of uh, you know that scene in Girls where Marnie yes saying that those two scenes to me are, are interchangeable the level Same energy. of cringe and I couldn't look away I'm like I can't look away from this I, I did I had and to fast forward it you can just see Logan's face like it's just So, and the worst thing when I first started watching Succession, I started it and I gave up because I was like, oh, another show about terrible rich people, whatever, terrible white rich people. Then I went back to it and I was like, this is actually so fucking good. It's brilliant. They are all irredeemable monsters, and I don't want anything good to happen for any of them, and I'm fine with that. Uh, uh, I have uh, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Come on. Oh, I've forgotten it. Oh, well done. My brain is. Fr- oh, I haven't. Uh, so our show is on Wednesday. Thank you to everybody that's bought tickets. We'll see you there. Um, and also, I just wanted to mention that we're we're talking about doing a second episode, and we obviously are looking for people to write in 
we want you to be like your little agony ants. So if you have any problems, um, write them in. It's murdermostirishpodcast at gmail.com. Murdermostirishpodcast.gmail.com. And we will try and answer your queries just as a disclaimer. Please do not take anything we say very seriously. <laughs> Don't yeah. make any major life changes based on what we say. Honestly, we're God. both emotional wrecks. Also, I was talking to Flavio last night and he was saying, I was telling him what we were going to do. And he was like, oh, you should ask people to send in like as well, like their most embarrassing stories. Oh, that's and a good idea. Like, I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Just like if anybody has any, hold on, I wrote down hold on, stuff last night because I was like, yeah, that'd be cool because we could do like, uh, keep it lighthearted. We want to do something lighthearted for you. Um, that doesn't then doesn't involve talking about murder. Uh, let me see. What did I write? Notes. I can't remember what I wrote. It's fucking out of my mind last night. Uh, yeah. So it was like worst dates, your most embarrassing stories, um, or like any weird stories you have. So if you have any like, you know, things like a story that you have as like an anecdote that you tell people about your life. Yeah. As a like piece of information, your story, nobody else's story. Your story. Yes, your story. Not something that happened to a friend or a sister. Or yeah, a I'm not. I'm not comfortable no, telling no, no. or reading out anybody else's story without no. your permission. Your what happened to you? Um, your personal stuff. So if you want to, we would love that, and we can read them out, and we can all have a laugh together about it. And uh, yeah, so if you want to email us, as I said, it's murdermostirishpodcast at gmail.com and we will be very happy. And we should be starting that shortly, as soon as Collie is less crazy and things are a bit better with regards to the laptop and the situation with that. So yes, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Do you have anything? Um, no, but you know, I'm sitting here and I'm so arrogant that I don't think I've ever being embarrassed by anything that's ever happened to me and I know loads of things that are really embarrassing but I've always been like yeah whatever <laughs> Yeah, but that, I think that's a really good way to be because I can get very embarrassed by a lot of stuff so I think it's really cool to be like this is actually just a funny story you're like yeah that time I nearly shit myself at Disneyland I just yeah. think that's a gas story like you know what I mean you're not like ashamed of anything and that's I think that's really good and there's nothing to be ashamed of because they're genuinely funny yeah I'm trying yeah. to think of like I might, I might, whenever we do it, I might tell the story of mine and Graham's first date because that is pretty embarrassing. The one where you fell into the bin the, or over the wheelie bin, that's very, you were really embarrassed by that. Remember that story? Oh my God, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was by myself. Yeah. Um, I was fucking mortified. I thought oh, I was fucking laugh. shit as well. <laughs> like, walking on her own. Oh, it always makes me laugh. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. Like, I fucking plowed that bit out of it. So, um, yeah, I've got loads of ones where I fall. Tons yeah, of them. Yeah, no, I have all my all mine are like when I was telling you I was walking through the park the last day, and I tripped and fell, and there was about a hundred yeah. just staring at me, and I was like, I don't even care anymore. This is my life. I fall constantly. a lot. A lot. But yeah, um, so we would really like if you could do that, that'd be amazing. And then obviously as soon as that kind of starts, we'll we'll get the episode started. So Yeah, I love it. I love the way we're like, we'll do a second episode and barely get one fucking first episode out. Hey, listen, we're trying our best. It's not our fault this week. No, actually, for once, it's Collie's fault. (laughs) <laughs> <It's called laughs> specifically. Um, it didn't happen it, it happened to him it was his own fault but yeah so I don't have anything else do you have anything else um no just thanks to everybody that's coming to the live show I'm actually really looking forward to the live show even though a little bit of poop comes out my bum every time I talk about it yeah, um yeah. but it'll be fine right oh yeah no we'll be grand I started my story and anyway and um 
yeah, we'll, we'll, be we'll have fun. It'll be fine. Once we get into it, it'll be grand. You know, what, Col- you know that's it. It's it's the it's the initial getting into it. And Colin has so much work done for it as well. Like even though he lost nearly all of it, did he not have it stored on the cloud? No, I told him you need to back your shit up. Yeah, no, Colin Foy. Back your shit up. But he's got he's nearly finished doing what he did again. But like he did last the weekend, he was like the entire Sunday he was just making stuff and then he fucking the laptop so uh yeah so he's gonna have he's gonna do the brunt of it anyway it's gonna be we're just sitting there talking like he's doing all the yeah. graphics and all that stuff and then we have we um, we have some special things going on as well that are going to happen so i'm really excited about that and i'm really excited for people to to enjoy it and um yvonne's yeah, no, coming yvonne's coming so that's brilliant um i'm really excited about yvonne coming is michaela coming she's on the list um, I think she is. She said she was. Um, um, and more than mom, likely. My uh, mum isn't going to come. Your mum's not coming. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it should be good crack, I'd say. Like, I'll see. I'll ask my family, but, like, I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah. And I'm not, like, you can leave this in. I don't give a shit. I'm not taking on the added stress trying to get any of them there. Or no, them. you don't. The last thing no. you need on that day is anything. You just need to go there, go to the venue and... Um, I think were you cc'd in that email about the venue times and stuff? Yeah, it's like five o'clock. We can come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll figure we'll figure all that out anyway. Um, yeah. So we can talk about that during the weekend, not on the podcast because reborn. But reborn. yeah, no. Thanks, thanks very much to everybody um, that's coming and yeah, that continues to support us. Um, I'm actually really excited about getting your issues. Just lads, if they're really heavy. Just the only thing I will say is they're really heavy. Think about do you want to share that? Yeah, just be sure that you want that. Be, to be sure that you want to share. And if you want to do anonymous, that's fine. I've no problem with that. But just be sure that you're comfortable yeah. sharing whatever your story also, is. Also, with regards to the anonymous thing, if you want to be anonymous, please just write on the email. You know, please don't just say my name. I'm gonna give yeah. you a fake name because I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable or anything. And I'll bank it, and then I'm gonna blackmail you. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what we're yeah. going to do because we have your email address. So we have your email address. We have your name, and your I'm watching Succession, so I'm banking <laughs> all of my blackmailing opportunities. But yeah, just you know, whatever you're comfortable with, um, and obviously we're probably going to stick more kind of maybe to the lighthearted stuff. Yeah. But no, we will tackle some stuff. You know, if there is things that we can jet, we can because we do have a lot of younger listeners as well. And if you know, we as women, we've been through shit in our teenage years and our twenties. And if we can give a little bit of advice, we will do that as well. So yeah, so it should be fun. I don't have anything else. Do I have anything else? No, I don't no. think so. That's I don't it. have anything else. I'm going to tell my story now. Okay, Colin's going to put an ad here. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag, and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story, whether it be miscellaneous most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, murder most 
most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for, or even Music Most Awesome, where we talk about our favorite albums. But wait, there's even more! How about MMI Drive, the fan-favorite podcast show where Emma and Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts of shite, plus our monthly Ask Me Arse segment, where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euros. So anyway, firstly, today my story is about uh, Julie Tennant. Julie I don't know. Tennant? Yeah, I don't know if you know the story. It's don't from the very early 2000s. Um, but firstly, before I start, I want to open today's story by preempting that Adrian Hayes has gotten way too much limelight and attention. This individual is constantly in the papers. He's on TV shows and has at every possible turn demonstrated a complete want to be the center of attention around this story. Okay. I do not want to give him any more time and energy. And what I found in reading the article after article, Julie was always an afterthought, okay. an afterthought because Julie had addiction issues she was almost spoken about as a second thought in the article and was never the first person mentioned anything that I read once they found Julie's body in this case the media the media solely focused on making this killing a tagline and anybody that isn't familiar with the name Julie Tennant is probably more familiar with the super glue killer or the super glue murderer that was like the tagline for this murder okay and she kind of, in everything I've read, she was constantly a tagline. It was never really about her. Yeah. Um, I have had someone in my life with addiction issues. And being female, there is another layer of vulnerability and danger for female addicts. And I think that that's a story or a side to the story that definitely in the early 2000s, no one talked about. And I still don't think it's talked about, like coming from a a family with addiction issues being female watching females with addiction issues there is another layer of vulnerability and danger that comes with being female Mm -hmm. and being vulnerable that just doesn't exist for men and I think this story is like a perfect example of it okay Julie came from like a really loving family in Ballymena in County Antrim. Her schoolmates and teachers all commented on how smart she was she was incredibly close to her youngest sister Caroline and she doted on her um, on August 9th, 2000, Billy and Eilish Tennant called the RUC to report their daughter, Julie, missing. She was 20, 21 years of age and she had left the house on August 5th and had not been seen since. She Can had I taken. Just say, are her parents called Billy and Eilish? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um her parents had spent the last four days looking for her and had found no informations and had no sightings of Julie. She had taken nothing of any worth and had little to no money on her when she left her home. Um, she didn't take any of her medication. And Julie was just out of a drug rehabilitation program and had left vital medication at home. <clears throat> she was on medication for um, depression and anxiety and um I didn't say if she was on a methadone program. Generally, when you're on methadone, you can keep that at home depending on what dose you're on. But I would expect, given that she was in a drug rehabilitation program, she may have needed that as well. 
She had never been out of contact with her family and her family were incredibly supportive of her addiction illness. Um, So it was extremely unlike and out of character to Julie because one of the things that can happen in families that are suffering with these types of problems is it's quite common for the person with addiction issues to fall in and out of contact with their family. That wasn't the case here. Julie was openly working on her addiction issues and her family were incredibly supportive of her through it. Julie had plans for her future. She was a bright and loving girl and she never held a grudge. And all of the people that had known Julie had said the same thing. An appeal was made immediately because the police were aware that this just wasn't there's something definitely wrong here. There was no yeah. sightings of her at all. Um, and she was last seen by her family at 12.15 a.m. on August 5th. She could have left her family home any time between 12.15 and 7 a.m. She was suffering from depression and, as said, she had no medication with her. The police um, released a statement that said that they'd collect that they had checked all possible addresses and that they'd made extensive inquiries, but there was no trace of her. Sergeant Fair said it was, so Sergeant Fair is, Sergeant Fair, not Sergeant, sorry. Sergeant Fair said it was now an emergency given her mental state and that it was a matter of urgency given the fact that no one had had any visible contact or any visible sightings of her. Also, Ballymena is really small. It's it's like most places in like rural Ireland. It's a small village. There's a small centre of town. People know each other. In these small communities in particular in the north, People know each other and no one was able to say that they had seen her. her, So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Very quickly, information started to cascade into the police station and an appeal line was opened. A witness got in touch almost immediately saying that he had seen Julie at around 2 a.m. at a local takeaway. He said he had he and a group of friends were all together in a takeaway when Julie approached them. She asked if any of them could get her a syringe or had one of them on them and when she asked this another man who was with the group but in the takeaway opened the door stuck his head out and said he could get her one at his house on warden street the witness said the man in question was a man named adrian hayes and he was 26 years of age so adrian had been out drinking with all of these guys this was like a friend group he was involved with um and Julie obviously knew some of these individuals. Adrian has a history of being a drug dealer in the village and has a checkered history. So I, it's safe for me to assume that these people were probably all involved in some form of like drug use and criminality for her to be so comfortable to go up and like openly ask as one of them she, have a syringe. Like she, she knew who to ask. Yeah. 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 Um, Adrian Hayes was born in Ballymena and he had six siblings. He had a reputation in the town for being violent and getting into physical altercations. He was seen as an idiotic, an idiotic hard man. He left school at at a very young age and he became involved in criminality in the area almost immediately. Now, if you want to regret having eyeballs, you can read Adrian Hayes' own testimony that he has written online about his time growing up because as is the way for most of these people, he's become like some form of fundamentalist Christian. Oh. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this information is information I got from articles, which I have all the references above for you, Emma. But Thank some you. of this is his own testimony. I took out most of his testimony because most of it is just him feeling fucking sorry for himself. 
Is it one of those, like, is it the usual thing where it's like, I had a shitty childhood, so therefore yeah, yeah. it's okay yeah. that I did these terrible things? And his testimony just completely negates, like, any of the details of what he did. It's just like, like it doesn't happen. There's no yeah. responsibility for what he actually did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. This, uh, this, this story made me, as I said to you, made me, like, they all make me fucking angry, but this one makes me particularly angry. Yeah. So he had been involved in local criminality in the area. He had been arrested for stealing a burglary and he went to prison, a young offenders institution at the age of 18. He was sentenced for three years, but despite being sentenced for three years, only after a month, his appeal was granted and he was released. So he like literally served like 31 days of a three year prison sentence. 31 days. Yeah, but I couldn't find out like what the appeal was or how. Because I couldn't find out the appeal, I reckon it was more of an appeal of like someone not doing their job correctly in court. More than likely. Because I just couldn't find like he, you know, said he was. It was almost as if there was like a, some form of like loophole and his like legal team managed to get him out of it. The usual Sarah Jane. Yeah. At 19, he travelled to Holland and became involved in drug smuggling or drug running. Drug smuggling in Holland in the 80s and 90s, although it sounds like really like, you know, probably something you heard like a movie or something. Actually, in Northern Ireland, it's organised and it's big business. It was managed by facets of the IRA. And I know a number of men that did this for money during the Troubles, um, especially when I was working in Northern Ireland. The amount of them that were like, oh, yeah, I was in Holland during the Troubles. And I was like, so many of them were in Holland. Yeah, no, they were like, I was in Holland and I was moving like hash for like the there IRA. Is- a ton of Irish families in Holland now because they were all going over there and meeting yeah. women and having babies with them. There's so many. Ar- and I'm like, most of this is from drug trade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's insane. Crazy. Um, he returned to Brockshen and became a dealer and he continued to rack up convictions for violent assault, theft, burglary and was known to the local p- police force. He began a relationship with a woman from the area called Fiona and they married in 2000. He was physically and emotionally violent and he would drink heavily and then beat Fiona and have their... Their relationship continued shortly and after they were married, he beat her so severely that she ended up in hospital. She also found out around this time that she was pregnant with his child. Oh, Fiona. And they immediately became estranged. So she was like, I need to get out. This isn't safe. Well, you um, know what? Fair fucking play to her that she saw that being like, I have a baby. I want. Oh, no, did she? OK, calm down. Fuck. <laughs> Less than four months later, Adrian was the person that was last seen with Julie. But where did Julie go? Julie went with Adrian. Oh, sorry, Julie Tannen. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. When Adrian was request was questioned by the RUC. Uh, police force he said he had not gone home with Julie and he had left her with the men at the takeaway in the town the police then questioned anyone in the surrounding area and a number of witnesses from the takeaway confirmed Julie had indeed left with Adrian like is he dumb yeah no he is dumb like you have a number of people in a place where like no he went with we we all saw this yeah fucking dickhead because they all confirmed the police then questioned Adrian's neighbours and they're, they all pretty much had multiple of the same reports that they had heard someone crying in his apartment and that these noises started at about 2.15 a.m. So that's literally 15 minutes in terms of time between the takeaway and his house. 
I'm I, I struggle really hard with this bit and I don't want to in any way blame anyone, but not one of these people rang the police. Really? Like, honestly, Emma, and you know me, I ring the fucking police all the time. Dude, I have called the guards before when there's been altercations going in uh, around the apartments around here. When I've heard a woman crying or shouting, yeah. I've called the guards and been like, I f- I'm afraid someone might be in trouble. Yeah. I couldn't give a fuck. I will no. call the guards. If I think there is a domestic altercation going on and it's between a man and a woman, I will call the guards. Yeah, what's really upsetting is that I'll get into the details, but it's so upsetting that no one rang anybody. And so I get because this guy crying like this must have been sobbing like yeah like this guy was ter- I'm sure he was terrifying like he's a really big guy he's known in the village as being like a big hard man he has lived next door to these neighbors with this with his previous wife Fiona and like she's been in continuously violently assaulted I get it but just make the call just make just the call. make the call. You could potentially save someone's life. Literally. Due to this new information, the police force searched Adrian's home and on entry, they immediately saw blood in his entrance hallway. The house was immediately sealed off and a statement was released saying Junie was believed to have been in the home prior to going missing. Adrian Hayes fled the country and went on the run. Julie's family were so worried and upset for two weeks. The searches continued. The local river, the local river was searched along with derelict buildings in the local vicinity, and the police force was now spread even thinner between finding Julie and now finding Adrian, stretching the resources further because he'd gone on the lamb. Adrian fled to the UK and headed to his uncle's in Kent. Andrew Harkin immediately called the police after his nephew had admitted to him what he was done, what he had done. He said he was in a bit of trouble. Andrew pressed him and he said he had killed a young woman. Andrew told the police that his nephew has said, had said it was an accident and that he buried her body in a shallow grave in Brockshane in Antrim, a small rural area surrounded by picturesque woodland. He told I, lo- us un- I love that that's a bit of trouble. I know. Jesus He told his uncle that they had fought and when Julie tried to leave his apartment, she fell backward and hit her head in his hallway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Andrew tried to convince his nephew to hand himself over to the authorities in the UK, but Adrian refused and said he would head back home and do it there. As soon as he left, Andrew Harkin called the police and informed them of his nephew's confession and his last location. He also had noted the resident the registration of Adrian's vehicle without no knowing, sorry, without him knowing and gave it to the police. Good fucking man, Andrew. Yeah. The vehicle was traced in the locality in no time at all. The Actually, I will say, I don't know if you've ever driven in the UK or been with someone who's driving in the UK. You can't get away with shit in the UK on the roads. No. <laughs> and like amazing road technology yeah. compared to Ireland. Because in Ireland, we put out an Amber Alert and ask other drivers to see if they find a car. Yeah. Like a small car chase ensued, but it was over really before it started and Adrian was arrested. He was almost immediately returned to Northern Ireland and handed over to the RUC. When he was questioned, Adrian Hayes said he had no idea why the blood in his, why there was blood in his flat and he had nothing to do with Julie's disappearance. 
when they put it to him that the neighbours having have her having heard a woman crying on the night he was last seen with Julie coming from his compa- his apartment, he completely denied knowing anything again. Brookshan, where he had said to his uncle, which is where he's originally from, he had buried Julie, was now searched um, and an army helicopter was also deployed to see if they could see any like land that had been disturbed. Yeah. August 24th, he was interviewed again and almost immediately Andrew conf- or Adrian confessed. But he said it was an accident and he just wanted someone to talk to. He said he tricked Julie into coming home with him by saying he could get her a needle. But when they got there at about 20 minutes or so, she realized that she'd been duped and tried to leave. They got into an argument and he began hitting her. He said it was frenzied, but that she hit back. And when she hit him, he saw red and began hitting her in the face. He beat her for 20 minutes while she remained consciousness conscious. Um, of this horrific beating. He then went back and sat on his sofa to eat his takeaway food. Oh, Sir June. Julie moaned in pain and in agony in the hallway, and this bothered Adrian. He said it did his nut in. So he decided to shut Julie up. He grabbed super glue from his table and walked back over to Julie in his hallway and poured it on her lips to stick them together so she would be quiet. What the fuck? Yeah. Are you you serious? Yeah, I'm deadly serious. Oh, I don't... Why would... This this man's a piece of shit. This is absolutely insane, Sarah-Jane. Like, this man is an He glued her mouth shut after yeah. beating her into the face for 20 minutes. Yep. Oh, like a piece even, of shit. I don't even know. I don't even know. What do you do with that? Like, what do you do with that? I, I don't even who know. Be, who like, behaves like this? Who behaves like this? An animal. Oh, my God. Julie had taken a severe beating to her face. She was lying on her back. She's not in a position at this point to expel anything that is pooling in her nose or mouth and he'd lose her fucking mouth show. Oh my God. Adrian. Yeah, no, she couldn't breathe. During his confession at this point, Adrian begins to apologise to detectives and at this point he says he didn't mean to kill her and he was sorry for her family. He also said that he didn't realise by gluing her mouth shut that she wouldn't be able to breed. Well, like, I don't believe that, first and foremost. I don't believe that either, but also he's a fucking moron, so maybe. Like, you clearly broken her nose. Yeah. She's covered in blood. Her entire, like, what? I don't even, how do you, what do you do? Like, how do you, what do you, imagine being a policeman and sitting in the room and being like, what did you do? And he was like, I glued her mouth shut. Mouth shut glued it because the woman that I just beat into her face for 20 minutes was annoying me yeah she's moaning there is no compassion there's nothing in him he's dead inside he's, that's a husk of a human being and that's, um, what the cry, that's what the crying was like she they could hear her crying yeah now the woman I'll, there's more testimony as I get on so I won't give like talk about that yeah but there's okay. more details about the night okay so 
Adrian then brings the police to Julie's body. He had buried her in a shallow grave in a laneway near Tullymore Road. She was wrapped in bed linen, black bags that had been and black bags that had been taped shut. The site was sealed off immediately, but Julie had sat for two weeks in the August sun in a shallow grave and decomposition had set in pretty, pretty significantly. Adrian was taken back to the station and he was immediately charged with the murder of Julie Tennant. Dr. Alistair Bentley began his post-mortem and on removing the materials she had been, Julie had been wrapped in, he found that Julie was naked from the waist down. What? Yeah. Some of her clothes were across her chest and she had been bound with electrical cable and tape. A plastic bag had been tied over her head, um, which he says was to stop the bleeding, like to stop blood pooling in his head in his house. She had super glue in her hair and mouth and she had extensive bruising covering her head, cheeks, right eye, right eye. She had an A, she had a C-shaped fracture on her right temple and she had bruising on her legs, backs and legs, back and arms. Her nose was broken in it oh and a diagonal wound was found between her nose and her left eye. Blood pooled in her nasal passage and cheekbones. The toxicology report found only her prescribed ma- medication in uh, and alcohol in low dosage within her system. It was determined that it was too low to contribute to her death. Dr. Bentley could not determine the cause of death due to her being in the elements for nearly two weeks, but he concluded that it was probable her airways had been restricted due to her mouth being sealed shut and her nasal passages having coagulated blood from her shattered nose. So she choked to death. Julie had likely suffocated. How do you, how do you like, how do you tell, how do you tell somebody, a family member, how do you, Explain that someone did this to your child. Yeah, no, it gets worse. Okay. Julie's family were devastated. Her mother said their lives will never be the same now that Julie is gone. Three weeks after she was murdered, Julie's Julie's funeral took place. Her family, supported by their community and the local school Julie and her sisters attended, stood for Julie as a guard of honour around her coffin. The... Funeral. I'm not like usually I quote the priest, but it's just too upsetting. But like everything I said above is pretty much what they said at the funeral that she was like yeah. a really bright, like girl, person. yeah. And just that in times of like, like the priest was just like, I don't even know how to comprehend this evil. No, it's beyond. Um, so the trial of Adrian Hayes began on January 8, 2022, in Antrim. No. 2002, sorry. You're okay. <laughs> he, uh, 2002 in Antrim Court. Because he's a piece of shit, guess what he did, Emma? He pled not guilty. Yeah. Yeah. He pleaded not guilty. And made that entire family go through a trial where they had to listen to uh, an, a person read out the autopsy results on their daughter. Yeah. Yep. What a guy. What a guy. Billy and Eilish and Julie's two older sisters clung to each other in the docks as they sat quietly and full of emotion, emotion, listening to the open statements. The prosecution told the court that they would hear recorded confessions from Adrian himself and that Julie had died a violent death in 
a violent death in when it's heartless action to super glue her mouth shut because she was inconvenienced a man that had tricked her into coming into his flat only to be beaten for wanting to leave. That he preyed on her addiction and then used it to his advantage. Hayes punched her with both fists in a vicious and prolonged attack that lasted 20 minutes. During a detailed rendering of what their daughter had gone through, relatives of Julie found it all too much and some left the court in tears. Yeah, no, I would too. I get it. Hayes claimed in his confession that after he had glued her mouth shut, he had fallen asleep. He then jumped up abruptly awake, realising Julie was no longer making any more noises. He then checked on her lifeless body and felt she was going cold and he could not find a pulse. He realised she was dead. He then said he removed the lower half of her clothing, and I put in brackets, for no good fucking reason, in my opinion. For literally no reason. Why did he do that? And wrapped her body in sheets and bin liners before putting her in his shed. Oh my God, what the fuck, dude? He then left his apartment and went away for an overnight stay in a hotel with his estranged wife, Fiona. Sorry? Yeah, no, he like literally within eight hours, he left his apartment. And to went go have sex with his ex-wife. To go on an overnight stay with his estranged wife, Fiona. So he was like, there's a decomposing body of a young girl on my gar- in my body. Let's let me go have sex with a woman that I also used to beat. Yeah, it's also I quack- can't. Oh, yeah. my God. A um, fucking psychopath. It's also questionable if she was actually not in his apartment. He told his uncle that she was still in his apartment on the table. On the table. Yeah. So when he returned from his night away with his estranged wife, he took Julie's body out of the shed and he buried her near his hometown. He closed his opening statement with information from Dr. Bentley, saying he would confirm that gluing, that the gluing of her mouth would have resulted in Julie being unable to breathe as she had blood pooled in her nasal passages and her airways were now completely blocked. On the second day of proceedings, neighbours gave evidence about what they heard and seen on the night in question. His immediate neighbour, Lindsay Jane Kerr, gave evidence saying she had been awoken at 2.15am on the night in question. She initially thought it was a dog wailing, but she soon realised it was a girl crying and could hear a man shouting. Lindsay cried on the stand and found it difficult to give her testimony or to get through. She said she could hear sounds of someone going up and down the stairs. She got up and looked out the window and could see Adrian's lights were on and that his shed light was on. She said she couldn't see movement, but the sounds got louder and louder. She said she went outside of her own back garden and looked over the wall into Adrian's windows, but could not see anything. She then went back inside and banged on the wall of her sitting room, which was directly attached to his hallway but she was frightened of Adrian and when she banged on the wall of her living room she ran upstairs and turned off the lights as she thought Adrian had come out his front door to come to her door she waited nervously for a thunder of like rapping on her own door but nothing happened and after a couple of minutes she came back down 
into her living room, which was directly next to Adrian's hallway. And she said at that point she could then hear scratching. She said it sounded like a carpet being scrubbed with like a nail brush. She said she finally went to bed, but that she could still hear weeping. And so she banged on the wall again. And this time Adrian roared all right in an angry tone. Lindsay's boyfriend, Gary McVeigh, was also in the property and he gave evidence that confirmed pretty much the exact same scenario. So I'm not going to read it out. Why didn't they call the police? I don't fucking know. And I felt like a dickhead when I was reading it because I was getting more and more angry being like, when you ring the police. And like, here's the thing. I know there's going to be people be like, oh, well, he was a drug dealer and you need to understand. And I, don't. I do understand. I live in Dublin. Yeah. I live in Dublin. There are drug dealers in my apartment. There are. And I know for a fact, if I heard a girl weeping like that, I would call the fuck. I'm so mad right now that I can't see past my own bias right now. Yeah. That girl to be laying on the ground crying like that and a man screaming at her. And no one thought to be like, I should call the police. And I understand like when you're dealing with like those kind of that kind of like testimony, right? You don't want to like have a hostile witness. So I get why the police weren't like, hey, why didn't you call? Hey, why didn't yeah, you call yeah, us? Of course, of course, of course. You have to. And I under, and here's the thing. Don't come for me because I understand both sides of it. But I'm just so angry right now at how yeah. this girl died yeah. that I can't see past that right now. So I'm just going to let myself be angry at it. So Jason Davidson, who was with Adrian in the takeaway when they met Julie, confirmed Adrian and Julie had left together. Andrew Harkin took to the stand, Adrian's uncle, and he said when Adrian arrived on his doorstep, he looked worried and frightened. He said he barely recognised him. He said his nephew eventually told him he's had an argument with this girl. He had given her a few slaps and she then fell and hit her head on the radiator of his house. He claimed he left her lying in his apartment for two to three days. He said he had let her blood drain into a bucket and emptied it into a drain in his apartment and then wrapped her head in a plastic bag. Julie oh had extensive God. wounds on in her like one of her temples and she had a like wound in her left cheek. So it was like likely that she was bleeding profusely. Yeah, of course. So, Andrew tried to get Adrian to hand himself in, but Adrian did not and left his home. And obviously, as above, Adrian, Andrew then immediately rang the police and he is know, the reason why Adrian was apprehended. Joe makes me laugh, though, when the, when the uncle, God bless that uncle, but when he said, you know, he came to the door and I didn't recognise him and he seemed worried. Yeah, he was only worried because he was going to get caught. Yeah. After murdering this girl, he went and fucked his ex-wife in a hotel room. Yeah. So he was able to have sex. So he wasn't too fucking concerned. I hate him. Yeah. I don't think I've ever hated anybody this much as I do right now. No, this is like, honestly, Dr. Bentley, which I just think is a great name if he was a plastic surgeon, but however, not the point. <laughs> Dr. Bentley gave Dr. me Dr. Bentley. Um, My Dr. breast augmentation. <laughs> Dr. Bentley gave evidence and he said that the advanced decay of Julie's body meant he could not confirm an exact cause of death. But again, he concluded it was highly probable it was from the blocking of her airways. He said there was evidence she was beaten with extreme force before her lips were super glued together. He gave the litany of injuries, but he said the slit wound below her left cheek was likely caused by a narrow weapon such as a blade so I said she had like a little yeah. slit here 
On cross-examination, he accepted he could not determine the exact science that Julie had died in the manner, but he concluded he showed no obvious symptoms of any other possible cause. He also agreed that he could not confirm if Adrian Hayes had been successful in sealing Julie's mouth shut, as she had apparently, according to his testimony, been struggling at that point. So he says that she was awake when he poured the super glue on her mouth. Okay. Yeah. He brain damage could not be ruled out entirely, but he said he had there was no clots found in her brain and this would be expected in that type of death. This was important because it was to support Adrian's claim that she had hit her head and that she had fallen. So his defense are trying to almost say that like she killed herself in a way, like she fell in her head. Oh. And that she died of brain damage. But he was like, no, I couldn't say that. He was like, I couldn't rule it out entirely. But yeah. also she had no symptoms that showed signs of that. Right. Adrian Hayes took to the stand because he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I think this just, this to me, whenever I get to this point, and they're like, the person who did it took to why, the stand. Why did they defense. let him take the stand? But obviously he was probably like, I want to talk. Because he's clearly a narcissistic fucking psychopath. Yeah. So Adrian Hayes took to the stand a week into the trial. He said he had been in a deep state of depression and was drinking heavily. He said he was finishing a night out when he seen Julie in the takeaway. He claimed he initially thought she had gone off with a group of men, like the group of men that he was with. Mm. But he was surprised when he arrived at his flat and Julie was there. Yeah, that definitely happened. Yeah. He said that she probably had followed him. But that they oh, didn't yeah, go together. Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. He once again said a fight had broken out over the fact he did not have a needle and that she got up to leave and he followed he said he thought Julie was going to hit him, so he hit her before she got the chance. He said she fell, but got up and started hitting him, so he hit her one more time, and as she fell, she hit the back of her head on the stairs. He said he went to help her up, and she began hitting him again, and in this, at this point, he saw red and went blank, and a frenzied attack ensued. By the end of the assault, he went and got the glue and he said, her moans were getting to me. So I went to the living room and I got the glue. I glued her mouth shut. I went back into the living room. I had the TV on. So his neighbours also said that they heard like the TV was on really loud and so was the radio. So he's trying to drown out her noises. He's trying to drown out her crying, yeah. He said, I fell asleep for about 20 minutes. When I got up, she was dead. He then said... I was torn between suicide and wanting to confess. Oh, well, you should have done the, the former there. That's yeah. what you should have done. You fucking cunt. I said, but he did nothing to act on them at all because he's oh. an asshole. He's a fucking piece of shit. He then rang his estranged wife, Fiona, and left a voicemail. Rather than doing the thing, apparently he was torn between. Apparently he's he was like, torn between. Instead, also. I'm going to yeah. go have the ride. So he then rang his estranged wife, Fiona, and left a voicemail saying he loved her. And less than eight hours later, the two left for a night away in County Down, while Julie lay dead inside of his shed or his flat. Can I just ask, how are his defence team? How can you make this look like anything other than this man is a fucking psychopath? 
Yeah, I'll get to the end of what they were trying to get to. Hayes said he wanted to confess to Fiona, but he could not. He also said that he considered killing himself in the car as he was driving, but he couldn't kill his unborn child and Fiona with him. Oh, sorry, I didn't realise she was in the car when he was thinking about Oh, so he was Aye. like, maybe, maybe I'll just kill myself with this woman and the child. You, I, this, it... <sighs> sorry. He said he cried as he buried Julie in the shallow grave, and he said the next two weeks <laughs> were a living hell. Yeah, no, I honestly, I'm actually so mad. I'm so mad. I can't deal with this searching. <laughs> I'm sweating. There is sweat on my back right now. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no, he's an absolute rip-roaring, like, he's a piece of shit. And, like, he's, her family are sitting in the court listening to this, Emma. Dragged them through this. Like. Dragged them through this. But, again, he did not act on any of his feelings of remorse. And no one outwardly witnessed his remorse either. Like, no one came forward and was like, Jesus, he's a shell of himself. He looked like, terrible. Like, no one. Nobody. Nobody. He was challenged by the prosecution and they asked how he was able to go on a night away with his wife and how no one could attest to his apparent guilt. Adrian said he never wanted Julie to die. He did not intend to kill her. He just wanted her to leave after using drugs. So he starts to kind of get rambly on the stand. Yeah, that's that's real smart putting him up there, isn't it? Yeah. But this completely contradicts the toxicology report. She had no drugs in her system other than her medication. And the fight had apparently started because he had lied about the syringe. So, like, make up your fucking mind. Which lie is it? Why did they put him on the stand? Adrian once again tried to play the victim. And he said he wanted to confess, but his mind just would not let him. The prosecution challenged him and said it was simply you did not want to get caught and nothing more. Literally nothing else. Literally. Adrian at this point became incredibly emotive and said, I lied, but it was because it was easier to lie than tell the truth. I couldn't live with the truth. He again said he only hit Julie about 10 times and not with full force. He said he was very drunk and he'd staggered to the living room to get the glue. So here he's like, I I actually couldn't have killed her because I was so weak because I have so much alcohol in my system. I, whoever... Whatever team decided, hey, you know what? Let's put this fucking simple bitch on the stand and let him keep rambling and just walking himself into this. Like in some parts, it's actually a good thing they did because obviously I'm going to presume he's guilty and that's why. Yeah, he, like, yeah. But part of me was thinking, do you remember we've had, uh, we had like solicitors and barristers email in to be like, it's our job and we get given the case. Yes. And of we have to do the best of, course, the best of our that they ability. Can. Yeah. Um a part of me thinks maybe they were like, you know what? Yeah, get up and yeah, get up and stand. God. I was <laughs> just like, we just want this to be over. Just get up like, there, yeah. Get up there. Because <laughs> you're, you're a piece of shit. Troglodyte, a knuckle dragging troglodyte, and you're gonna walk yourself into prison. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. So he said he was awake. He said she was awake and alive when the beating stopped. But the prosecution challenged that and said, if this was the case, why did she not take the chance to escape while you slept so soundly or when you went to get the glue? Adrian at this point refused to answer any further questions and said his words were being twisted and used against him. 
The court was adjourned and after some time, Adrian Hayes agreed to begin the cross-examination again. The prosecution asked if he had stabbed Julie in the face or could he hit, could he explain the apparent knife wound? He said he did not, but he had no rational thought while he was gathering her things and her body. And pretty much what he was saying is that like there's potential that she got further injured when he was like wrapping her up or trying to okay. dispose of her. Yeah. Which I just think is like, to, like even that to be like, I was so wrapped with guilt and remorse, but then to be like, I didn't care anything about her body. I just wanted it gone. Yeah. I took off her, her trousers for some reason. I can't, like I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to no, say no. anything. The speculation is there, and obviously they wouldn't be able to tell because her body was so bad. Yeah, but, but but why the fuck were her trousers off? Her trousers and her underwear. Her underwear why? were cut in yeah. half and put across her chest. Yeah. Mhm. Anyway, mm. closing arguments were heard, and the prosecution very clearly laid out an argument that Adrian had killed Julie in a fit of rage, and they had calculated to dispose of her body so as not to be detected. Which is what happened. Yeah, a thousand percent. His defence put forward an argument that yes, there had been a confession, but it was not as straightforward as that. No matter, they did this thing where they were like, no matter the verdict, Adrian will be going to prison regardless. Which set me off on fucking sky high anger. Like I was in space with the anger. What sort of a statement is that? Honestly. So regardless of him killing this, uh, this junkie is what they were saying. Yeah, he's going to go to prison anyway. So what does it matter? They were literally like, he's going to go to prison. So does it matter if it's for murder or essentially manslaughter, which is essentially what I think they were trying to get at. But they never like they were like, there are a number of things he could go to prison for. It doesn't have to be murder. What sort of a fucking state? Yeah, his team don't sound the uh, the Mae West. Like, and I literally like that. the, The quote of. No matter what the verdict he was going to go to prison, was said in court to the jury. This is insane. So they were like, no matter what happens, he's going. So like, do you really care about this? And also, do you really need to say it was murder? Could you say it was Could murder? You say it's also, this is, they're being reductive because they didn't see this girl as anything other than a drunkie. Like, that's it. Yeah. If this was some, you know, rich people's kid who had like a degree from fucking Cambridge, this uh, the way this was dealt with would have been a lot different. Yeah. Two hours later, the jury came back. They said guilty of murder. Of course they did, because they're smart and, and wonderful. Hayes made no sounds and showed no signs of emotion. Julie's family said outside the court, no sentence would bring back Julie, but we have seen justice done today. Julie will live on through us and we will live for Julie. She was a dear, dear girl and she will be missed every day by our family. I'm going to read, I'm like the next bit is just going to make you like just super angry. So I apologize in advance. I'm already, I'm, I'm, I'm already apoplectic. So it doesn't make any fucking difference going March 8, 2002, the judge at Ballymena Court at Ballymena Crown Court told Adrian Hayes that he had subjected Julie Tennant to a pitiless humilia- humiliation by sealing her mouth. Mr. Justice Wetterup said, in this hideous fashion, you ended the life of an unfortunate and tragic young woman. That sentence bothers the yeah, fuck out of me. It bothers me too. Yeah, like just... Like, I think he could have said it if he had said a vulnerable girl who who you easily manipulated, but he made her 
sound like she was already on a certain path. So just like she is the only people who speak about her with any grace or love or thought for her as a person outside of her addiction are her family. And everybody else that speaks about her is like, well, you know. Yeah, it's almost that like, well, you know, it was going to happen either way. So like it's that mentality. I'm like, that is someone's someone's family member. That's someone's family member. But like. People get better. They don't stay sick forever. Also, this is a fucking illness. illness. And like people, I don't think people think regardless the, who they were before that and who they were during it. And they still had favorite things like their favorite TV show and their favorite food. And they still laughed in a, s- a certain way and they still dressed. And you still, they were human. Yeah, no, they, just... weren't, they weren't an addiction. They were a fucking person. Yeah. It triggers me so much because of of, like the history, but like, honestly, it's just like, she's like, she's not being held accountable, but she's almost like, well, like, you know, per her, but like she was living like a checkered life. She literally just came out of a rehabilitation center. She She was was trying. trying. And like, recovery is never linear with these things, but she was fucking trying. Uh, So... He was sentenced to 17 years in prison for murder, not life. Okay. The justice said, the uh, justice Weatherup said he could not be satisfied that the attack was pre-planned. And because of this sentence, because of this, the sentence was a minimum of 17 years. Julie's family were like fucking seething. They were outraged. Her father said life should mean life. He will be out in 15 years and my youngest will be the same age Julie was when she was taken from us violently. Jesus Christ. Billy Tennant said there is something wrong with our legal system. Adrian Hayes is nothing. He is a nothing. Yep. There was also incredible. There was also uh, like criticism to the fact that he had not been jailed before he could attack and murder his daughter mm-hmm. as it had transpired that Adrian had been out on bail when this action happened as he had been before the courts a number of times for a concealed weapon and disorderly conduct Great Very so after when the sentence came out Another woman comes forward called Laura Thompson. Okay. Laura Thompson lives in Australia, but she's from like Ballymena. So a woman named Laura Thompson came forward and she said she had a terrifying ordeal with Adrian. So I'm this is directly taken from like her quotes. I'm not, I haven't written it in the way I've written everything else. So I'm just going to read out everything she said. It's quite long, but it's fucking heinous. And it tells you something about this individual. She said, Adrian Hayes is a monster and in my view should never, ever be released from prison. She said, Laura, Laura said, lock him up and throw away the key. She said she had a lucky escape from the man who stalked her prying to killing Julie. But the Cullibacky woman, so Cullibacky is like in Antrim, um, remains hunt, she remains haunted by the experience. She said, to to those who are for his release, can you guarantee he won't kill again? I doubt it. So this is this like interview is taken at a time where he's due to be released for parole, essentially. Okay. 
Um, but before this, she had also come out after like the 17 year sentences to be like, this happened to me. Like this man is not. This man's a fucking psychopath. She said a phone call from my brother gave me the news that Adrian had been arrested for the murder of a young girl who'd been found in a shallow grave. Laura, who lives in Australia, she said my heart stopped at the news and the terrifying reality sank in that I, in fact, had got it gotten away. Unfortunately, Julie didn't. A few months before Mary Hayes murdered Julie, he had started stalking Laura, who he met while she was working as a waitress in a popular bar in his hometown. She knocked him back after a series of advances and he did not take kindly to her polite rejection. She said, I still remember his eyes. He never seemed to blink as he watched me work. Laura, whose father employed Adrian um, as a handyman for the family business. So that's why they were like around each, each other. other. Yeah. Um, after a short time, I was advised by my work colleagues that he never frequented the bar except during my shifts. She said the stalking had begun. She added, Adrian continued to stalk me at work, watching my every move, smiling, trying to flirt or make eye contact with me, sending me flowers with a note asking if I'd go on a date with him. My instincts told me there was something about him that wasn't good. Those staring eyes made me feel really uneasy. At the time, Hayes had a string of previous convictions, including theft, burglary, assault and possession of an offensive weapon. Work colleagues filled me in on Adrian's reputation as big trouble and advised me to stay away. I politely thanked him for the flowers, but again declined his offer. But Hayes would not take no for an answer. And as was the case, as was the case with Julie, it emerged in court that he saw red when Julie spurned him and tried to leave his house. So yeah. pretty much he was undeterred by her refusal and he continued to turn up while she was working. Laura said sometimes his smile would almost seem like a sneer. I did my best to avoid him as by now he was becoming creepy and made me feel so uneasy in his presence. Despite her best efforts, Laura couldn't avoid Hayes and unfortunately she saw him again at a house party. She was with her friends and they accepted an offer of a lift. So this, I think, like it, I think people are genuinely scared of this guy. Yeah, they're and ter- so clearly terrified of him. Yeah, they were at a house party and he was like, come to my my mum's house and she'll bring us all home because she's a taxi service. So she said we returned to his parents home as he assured us his mother often made money on the side providing a taxi service. Mm-hmm. On immediately entering the house, Adrian started swearing and shouting at his mother to get out of bed and he removed his shirt. My friends and I, yeah, my friends and I looked at each other, signaling to each other to leave as this behavior made us feel very uncomfortable. We quickly darted out the back door from when Adrian went upstairs. So he went upstairs and they were like, get the, we all need to get the yeah. fuck out here. Yeah. But hours later, Adrian came back for Laura, turning up on her doorstep at 8 a.m. God, what the fuck? She said, I suggested taking him back home as he said he'd no money and I really wanted to get rid of him as fast as possible. He sat in my passenger seat and he appeared to be agitated and I felt really frightened. Laura instantly regretted her decision to offer him a lift because after driving about 200 metres, he just pulled up the handbrake in the car as they were driving. Oh, my God. 
And she said she quickly seized the opportunity, took off her seatbelt and just jumped out of the car and fled for safety to her neighbours. She said Adrian screamed abuse from the outside of the house and then proceeded to back down the road to her bungalow, screaming he was going to cut the throat of my newborn foal, who was grazing in the paddocks with his mother. Oh, what the f- What is going on? Laura's ordeal wasn't over because when she returned home, clearly incredibly shaken, she found a death threat that was written in blood saying, I will kill you, stuck on her back door. Great. This is all. Yeah. Great. Yep. He also continued to yell disgusting language and abuse to the many police who who attended to apprehend him. So, like, he was still around when she got back to the house and she had this, like, death threat and then she called the police and Adrian was just like out of control threatening to kill people and the police arrested him. Of course. Hayes was removed from the property by police who advised Laura to move from her home for a few weeks. For weeks after police escorted Laura daily to her premises to feed and care for her animals. This is fucking why is this motherfucker not in prison? Despite assurances from her boss that Hayes had been barred from the workplace, she also just quit her job out of, like, essentially fear. Of course. Given her family's connections to the Hayes family and their fear of repercussions from him if they pressed charges, the matter never went to court. And for many months afterwards, Laura said she felt uneasy in home and always continued to look over my shoulder. But her world came crashing down when Hayes was charged with Julie's murder as Laura struggled to cope with the memories of what happened to her earlier that year. In Julie's honour, Laura hopes that by speaking out, she can protect further victims of violent thugs. She said, my thoughts are with Julie's family and I can only imagine the pain and the heartbreak they continue to go through on a daily basis. Oh, yeah, no, honestly... Adrian Hayes appeared in a BBC documentary about becoming a Christian in prison. Yeah. There was no notice given to Julie's family that he was going to be on TV. And he has open testimony you can read online. Should you wish to want your make should you wish to make yourself violently vomit or wish to wish you didn't have eyeballs? I would I recommend him. not reading it. Yeah, I hate this motherfucker. I hate him so much. I hate him. He has become a celebrity. Like all of the articles are literally about him. It's Disgusting. He's become a celebrity and has been on day release a number of times whilst in prison, but then was removed as he was found to be on Tinder, had a mobile phone number with numbers of like from women on it. Part of his day release conditions were that he would need to tell any unsuspecting women um, of his conviction, but he didn't. He also began a relationship with a woman from his church. I but then even... I know. <sighs> But then when this became public knowledge, she ended it. He is now in Northern Ireland's only open prison and has been seen in and out frequenting areas in Belfast. He's currently in prison, but he's in an open prison. The only conditions of his open prison is he has to go back at night. Per Julie's family, still, they have no daughter. And this motherfucker, when I tell you, like, is like on the Internet. In documentaries, talking about how he's found Jesus, talking about his testimony, but not once in his testimony is he like, I killed someone. 
I like his awful, 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 awful thing. When I tell you his testimony is like insufferable, I was like, I'll read his testimony because maybe he's like, you know, I did this awful thing. Like I can listen to why you ended up where you ended up in your life, but only if you admit to what you did ending up in where you ended up in your life. So did he speak about Julie at all? Was she mentioned? She is like not mentioned. She's an afterthought. I like this is I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know because the way that girl died is so upsetting. Yeah. That is so upsetting. Like, oh, and the fact that people were listening to her die. Listening to her die. Like, listening to her die. Like, for me, the listening to her die and just every... Everything said about her publicly, like, has this, like, preemptive, but she was a heroin addict. Yeah, of course it does. Usually has this, like, but you need to know this thing. And then this motherfucker is online being like, I'm a fucking Christian and you don't need to know this thing. You just need to know why I I love Jeebus. So therefore, we don't need to talk about the fact that not only did I murder someone, I am an extremely abusive piece of shit who has habitually abused women. Like, yeah. Habitually. I am a stalker. I am abusive. I am a murderer. But you don't need to know that because now Sky Daddy is here and he's got yeah, Sky everything. Daddy's here. And he, like, honestly, if you want to pull out your own eyeballs, go read it. But, like, I wouldn't recommend. Um, I mean, that is the terrible, upsetting, tragic murder of Julie Tennant and she absolutely deserves better and she deserves to be recognised as a fucking person with a life and a family and not a person with a fucking like parenthesis of oh but this but heroin. before you talk about her like she just deserves to be spoken about as a human being that had a medical condition because that is what addiction is she had a mental illness and when the mental illness starts mental illnessing that's what happens yeah like, like it's just so funny to me that people will talk about mental illness hey talk to people hey we should be more open about mental illness hey 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 but when it's not cauterized when it's not you know uh, uh, aesthetically pleasing for people when it's not this pretty little mental illness where you know when it's not that people don't want to deal with it they don't want to talk about it they don't want to it's almost like the the patriarchy's version of a mental illness is like you know that tv show the queen's gambit yeah. When she ha- was having a mental illness episode and she was just dancing around in her underwear, smoking cigarettes and being sexy. Like yeah. that's what people want mental illness to be. They don't want it to be. I am uh, addicted to drugs because I don't know how to deal with what is going on in my brain. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also there is like a classism within the drugs. Because if she was on cocaine. Oh, yeah. Because like, once, people, once people hear heroin, it's the immediate... Oh, there's just some junkie from like some council estate. Not a person, not a person with a sister and a person with a mum and dad who now have to suffer for the rest of their lives and see that motherfucker's ugly face all over their television screens. Yeah. I I hate men. But yeah, yeah. listen, I, 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 well done. Good job. But, you know, it's right. Everything's shite. Yeah, we should probably put trigger warning. Well, we'll I'll put about a million trigger warnings on this, yeah. like me yelling and stuff as well. So, yeah, we'll let people know. Um, but, yeah, we will be back next week. I hope. Oh, no, maybe there won't be a case next week because next Wednesday is the 
is the show. Oh, yeah, no, we're not going to have a case because this is going up late. So no. Yeah, no. But we'll be on stage next Wednesday. We'll be on stage next Wednesday. For all that are coming, thanks very much for coming. Thanks. And for all that are coming by themselves and want people to hang out with, the people on the Facebook group are setting up like a uh, drink and that. What's that? Gingerly Fox? Is that the name of that pub next door? Oh, maybe. I'm not sure. Actually. We were in it. Were we? Yeah, you know the pub next door to Liberty Hall? Oh, yeah, that's a nice pub, actually. Anyway, people are going there. I could have totally made up that name. I hope it is I, called the Gingerly Fox, I but if it's not, no someone it. should open a pub it's called the It's the pub Gingerly. right beside the the venue. So if you yeah. need to go have a drink or hang out with anybody or see anybody, you can go there. Yeah, people are people are heading there to meet up with people beforehand. Um, me and Emma will not be in there because we'll be in the venue the shitting ourselves. In the toilet. We will be wrecking their, their toilets. That's exactly yeah. what we'll be doing. Like just pooping it. Pooping. Yeah, pooping it out. But um, yeah, so there won't be, it probably won't be an episode next week, but we'll be back the week after. Yeah, Colin will probably put the live show up if he can get a recording yeah, of it. Yeah, if we can get a, if we can get a recording of it, we'll definitely do that. But everybody have a lovely week. Look after yourselves. Say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. I hope you have a nice week. And I will say goodbye to you too, because I'm going to go have a wee and then have a shower because I'm smelly. Okay, i got to go and anyway, I'm going to therapy. Okay, I'll talk to you later on, Hon Irish. Bye. Bye. Work, 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 work